What's up? You are now listening to Americanized, a storytelling podcast where you'll hear from eclectic first and second generation Americans share their stories and real life experiences as children of immigrants. I'm your host, Roslyn, and you have entered the Blender Love series. This is a series that highlights the experiences of those in interracial relationships. This episode shares part two of Miguel's story. We talk a lot about food, gender roles, and of course, the benefits and challenges of being in such interracial relationships. Stay tuned. Okay, um, I was just remembering what you said earlier and I had some questions. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned you and your partner living together and then like not being married. Is that something that's emphasized in your family? Like, is your family religious? Oh, that's a good question. Um, my mother is is a Jehovah's Witness, so very traditional in that way. Um, and you know, like considering that she's a Jehovah's Witness, she's actually pretty chill. But definitely expectations for like marriage and children and all those things. Um, I think uh, I was lucky to have an older brother that kind of broke all those barriers and ice before me. <laughs> like moving away or going away to college, like um, living with a partner before marrying, um, all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't super weird for me, but I definitely feel like the pressure to um, kind of settle down, even though that might not be exactly how we are going to go about our relationship, you know? Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's always like a jibe at any family gathering. It's like, oh, like your your brother's had a kid, you're next, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that's emphasized, but um I've kind of made did a lot of the work to make sure that my life is independent enough that I don't um feel too much pressure about it, I guess. Right. And as independent as you are, do you ever feel like a sense of guilt for being as independent as you are coming from an immigrant family. Yeah. I mean, maybe not for my immediate family. Cause I'm pretty responsive with them. Like I'm very involved with my parents and I try to um, be around my brother as much as I can. And my nieces, my brother has two uh, little girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm constantly doing the work to make sure that I'm there with them. But like I said before, like because of my, like, basically non-existent relationship with the island and actually going down there like if the, that particular family member wasn't in america we don't really have tons of like an actual relationship of course i love them and i care about them and i want them to do well but um there's definitely a feeling of guilt there for sure yeah yeah for sure yeah i feel that i feel like in a weird way since moving out and being married the that's kind of like the expectation so i guess there's less guilt having followed that expectation right. yeah on your side i guess a little rebellion but you're doing you you're living your life and you know your parents can only do so much totally and i don't know i or at least i feel like i've done i try to do so much for my parents because you got to pay it back mm-hmm. <laughs> um that like it it i never have a feeling like i'm a bad son or something you know what i mean like i never have that feeling because i'm I'm constantly checking in. I'm constantly making sure that they're cool, like, yeah, and in, in all areas of, of 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 their lives. But um, it's more with the extended family for sure. 
um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I, I don't know. I, we, we just don't have like relationships and that's uh, very weird for them. Like, you know, they all grew up in the same neighborhood in, in DR being with each other all, all the time, you know, like play, just play, play cousins basically. Right. So like, it's, I think it's foreign to them for me to be so independent and to not be as involved with the like larger family, I guess. Right. It's as shocking and, you know, as that is going back to expectations, being in a different country and being so far away from them, even, you know, speaking the same language, there is going to be a strain in that relationship or not have one at all. Totally. And like, I, I'm, I know that I'm fluent in Spanish, but like, even then they're like, you, your Spanish is rudimentary, you know, like uh, sometimes I'll be searching for a word and they're like, oh, there he goes again. You know? Oh gosh. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Oh gosh. Our families are just like, as much as they want to, you know, have this relationship with you, they make you feel like you can't do that in a, in a funny and endearing way. But, you know, I, I feel like especially with the language piece, it, when you're trying to communicate with them and they kind of attack you for, not attack, but lightly attack you for not speaking fluently fluently well, it's like, forget this relationship, I'm not, I'm done trying. Right, right. It, it definitely creates like an extra barrier that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily need to be there. But I get it, you know, like, you got to rip people. I think, I, I don't know about what it's, what like the Ivory Coast culture is is like, but um, there's constant like making fun of each other kind of camaraderie in my, um, especially my generation of my family. Like mm-hmm. all of the, all of my male cousins were like athletes and they're the, that kind of locker room ish culture, mm-hmm. um, definitely pervades <laughs> our, our relationships. Um, which is, I, I, I think part of, part of the, the thing, I guess. Yeah, I feel that the same with my family, like always laughing and making fun of each other. And they will make fun of the way me and my siblings try to speak the language. And as funny as it is, it does hurt a tiny bit because I I am trying. (laughs) It's it's, it's still funny. It's really surface level fun, nothing deep, not a deep hurt. Totally, totally. Going deeper into family traditions and um, cultures or pieces of your heritage um, in your relationship and maybe down the line, if and when you choose to have children, um, are there things that you have kept, traditions that you created, traditions that you have completely like let go of? What does that look like for you? That's a good question. Um because the if and when is very is very true for me. Like I don't, we still haven't like decided if, if we are gonna go down that path mm-hmm. and what it would even look like. But I know for me, like I'm I'm preface this with like my parents are fabulous and everything like that. But I I imagine in both of our cultures, martial punishment was <laughs> a thing. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the sandal la, la, la chancleta a belt mm-hmm. maybe i don't know <laughs> like belt, yeah. that was part, part of the thing um and i definitely don't want to do that and understanding like how traumatic that can be for mm-hmm. a kid i wouldn't necessarily call it trauma for me but like again you know uh, the culture is very different american versus uh dominican on how to discipline a child so i'm definitely not going to do that um 
And um, I think the kind of heteronormativeness of uh, our cultures, um, I would say, uh, I mean, my partner uses they and them pronouns. Technically, I'm, I, I, I am in a queer relationship, right? Which is um, definitely already out of pocket <laughs> in a way, right? Um, so, you know, the very traditional gender roles, all that kind of stuff, um, are probably not going to be part of any sort of parenting if that were to happen. So outside of that, like, I don't know. Um, I think the family values, um, I think are really important. Um, uh, I think my parents instilled in me a very like, uh, treat others that you want to be treated, uh, type thing, um, help your neighbor, all, all the, the beautiful parts of being part of a, of a community. Um, I, I think I learned from my parents. So I think I would instill that in any, uh, child that I raised. Yeah, that's a good point And a beautiful piece too. We're coming from such close knit communities, like those values that you grew up with or that you see, or like you realize later on, it might not always look that way in childhood are, um, great pieces to instill in your relationship. And then you know, if and when kids come into the picture, but even just in your relationship, totally. it's the caring part. Yeah. And, and the contrast with American independence and, you know, doing for yourself as opposed to the we, the us, and the community. Definitely. And I guess on, on an even like lighter note, like I, um, my partner's a great dancer. I, I will preface that with this. Excellent. Um, can move, do the thing. Um, but there are, you know, very specific dances that you do um, as a person from the Caribbean or, uh, you know, like bachata, salsa, merengue, like all, all, all these types of dances. And I'm not a bad dancer. I'm not a great dancer, but I think by my parents' standards, uh, I'm not that great. So maybe I can uh, instill some... Um, dance ability <laughs> in a kid and my, my partner has done has made the effort in learning um some traditional like latin ballroom dance to kind of mm -hmm. connect and like you know my, my brother got married a couple of years ago and at, at the at the party the after party we were dancing and like I, I, could, I could see all of my family being impressed with the fact that like my partner could bachata well you know <laughs> yeah it's just a little that's <laughs> so funny like i guess talking about sharing your culture too um being dominican and having such a rich culture what other pieces of your culture have or is shared in your relationship food's a yes. big one um i i like to cook a lot it's one of my pastimes like it's one of the things that like gives me solace when i'm like struggling with the artistic pieces of my mm -hmm. life um and uh i think the most dominican thing about me is the way i cook honestly mm -hmm. um because uh when i started to like move out and be on my own it was the, the first thing i asked my mom i was like can you teach me like your and grandma's recipes like right now like i need to understand how this works and to be able to do it on my own mm -hmm. um and I got, I tell you, like, I, I mean, I think anyone who's learned from a, 
uh, an auntie or a grandma knows, like they don't write stuff down. You got to watch. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You got to make sure you know what's going on. So like I spent a lot of time learning and kind of redoing and practicing those recipes enough that I can to kind of do them in, in my sleep. And I think uh, it's, it's probably, I cook a lot. So uh, I cook a lot of different cuisines, but like uh, I think the Dominican stuff I do um, are, is probably my, my partner's favorite meals that I make. So, Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing that you just memorized the cuisine. It's amazing that your mom and grandma allowed you to you know, watch them in the kitchen and soak up their recipes. My mom is the opposite. Like now she's open to sharing her, like how she cooks her foods with me. But before, if I wanted to help her in the kitchen, it would be like, stay out of her way, stay out of the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) So now I'm like, how do you make these things, even like the simplest things that I want to make from my culture? It's like texting or calling her because I don't know how to do it. And like, she's open. So since us um, being married and living together, I think I've only cooked like, sadly, two or three traditional meals <laughs> it'd be like that sometimes <laughs> there's, there's no shame in it shit um, no and i guess that goes into like gender roles um typically the women cook but it sounds like for in your relationship and in mine um my partner cooks more and he has an italian background so it's a lot of yummy italian food weekly nice. so yeah yeah i mean it's yeah i enjoy it um and um especially when i was uh doing music full time i'm uh, i'm in higher education right now i work at a, a, a one of the music uh, schools in the area mm-hmm. um but when i was just a, like a, a a grad student um for example and gigging and teaching and just doing that it made more sense for me to be the one in the kitchen because i had the time to do it um right and but you know my partner was working more of a traditional nine to five and stuff like that so like if i could put something on the stove you know and let it run uh, <laughs> at like 10 or 11 in the morning mm-hmm. what you know why why not so i think there's definitely a lot more nuance um in how we might approach things just out of out of uh convenience convenience uh, yeah because of our uh interracial um and just like cross uh business or cross careerness of it all you know absolutely um in my cultural background i feel like the stereotype is african men don't cook you won't find them in the kitchen that's the woman's job and me being african that's the expectation i went in into my marriage and thinking i have to cook all the time or this will be my job when i come home and cook but Parker, he's so non-traditional and understanding because he works from home. So, like, you're already home. <laughs> you have access to the kitchen, and he enjoys cooking, and he's really good at it. And it's, like, kind of breaks up that routine for him. Like, he's not just going to be on his computer all day and then like, sit on the couch. Like, he wants to be creative and adventurous in the kitchen. And I think that works out well, but I, I don't know. I'm still carrying this uh burden of i should be the one in the kitchen cooking and i don't want mm. to be <laughs> i should be <laughs> no, that's really interesting i definitely have felt that uh like sometimes i'll be talking about cooking 
with my parent with my parents around but like another like a family friend or like my godfather was around a couple of um months ago and he and he was hearing me talk about cooking he's like oh you really you really like cooking huh and kind of like with that like not like a shaming way but like a that's different yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, and like, yeah i really enjoy it it's a lot of fun and i love that and i feel like a lot of the top chefs in our country are men so it makes sense yeah deal with it <laughs> yeah it's fine I, just, I have to look over that thing and i i think i have just there's some piece of me that's like mm, this doesn't feel right but it's a convenience for me like i'm i don't know why i'm complaining when i'm all set like i don't have to <laughs> i don't have to do anything <laughs> for sure it, that, that's interesting you say about gender rules like um like i said i'm an artist right so like i'm i'm constantly like kind of going from gig to gig like i'm you know I'm thankful that I can make a career in that way. But um, even the gender role of like, who is the one who's like bringing in the the, mm. the money, we're pretty equal, but like my partner definitely has a, a more stable, um, predictable uh, career um, than I ever will because I'm kind of always all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, typically the man's role or whatever, uh, which is uh, BS. Um for the record, I do I do pay my fair share, but <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I I don't think we abide by honestly any um gender role. If I now that I'm thinking about it, no, I think you're right in that. I a lot of people don't. There's such a shift in, like you said, convenience, and the world right now is just a hot mess. So whoever can do what they can is what what is happening. Totally. Like if it's the woman, you know, having a larger income, that's how it is. If the man is at home cooking, that's how it is. And I think a lot of America is letting go of those gender roles, like as a whole, this generation, I should say. I, I was gonna say, are are definitely our generation for <laughs> sure. But yeah. there there are some old heads who are holding on to it for dear life. I, oh goodness, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's crazy. We're talking about food. I wanted mm-hmm. to know what is your favorite meal to cook? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think one of like the base recipes that my mom taught me, um, it's called moro, which is like a a, a flavored rice or a, a, a rice and beans that's like stewed over a, a little a little bit of time. It's really not very complicated, but it is quite delicious. It was one of like the first things I learned to make that I felt like, oh wow, I I, I can I can do this. I can make g- good food, um, and it also I think um, is one of those dishes that you learn a bunch of little techniques that you can apply to a bunch of different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like how to really make rice really well, how to make a soup really well, because you're basically making a soup that the rice kind of drinks up. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, chopping, cleaning things. Etc. 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 So, mm-hmm. mo- moro with like um, a, a protein of your choice. Um, uh, I'm I'm a I'm a meat eater, but my partner is pescatarian. So like you either some sort of fish or chicken, um, and a side salad. Very simple, but it hits all the groups and it's very uh, comforting. Yeah, it sounds really good. It's called mor- moro. Moro, yeah, m o m o r o. Okay, cool. And is there a Dominican restaurant that you enjoy going to? There's so many in there JP. Are. There mm-hmm. are so many. Um, if you want something like a bit like kind of newer, I guess there's a, a new bar that just opened up 
uh, on Center Street called Top Mix, um, mm-hmm. which is like uh, it's 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 definitely a Dominican spot. Like it's, but like it, they also have some more Americanized things, fish and chips, and the drinks are really excellent. Um, I think they already had a um, spot in Dorchester, and they just just opened up the new location, so that's pretty dope. But honestly, like any place in JP will will get you going. Oh, actually, um, there is a spot uh, if you like fritura, like fried food, uh, mm-hmm. like just Dominican fried food, like um, pork rinds, all, all that kind of stuff. There is a spot that I have been going to since I was a little kid called uh, Yelly's. Um, and uh, it's just very nostalgic for me. It's just a little hole in the wall across mm-hmm. from the stop and shop um, next to Jackson Square. And uh, it's um it's just delicious very bad for you but very good for your soul food <laughs> i love that i'm gonna check those places out i work at a school um predominantly children of color which i love and one of my students is dominican and we talk about his family and the dynamics and his culture and he uh he said he likes this restaurant called meringue i don't know if i'm saying it right it's yeah Rossendale, Mattapan. Uh, there's a merengue right in, on that that, that Dorchester Mattapan line. Um, mm-hmm. Fun fact that that story I told you about earlier, where I, where no, I, no. I, I I walked into a, a a place and the and the little old lady chef was like, "You're a Landis Joy. Which one are you?" That was mm-hmm. merengue restaurant. Was it? <laughs> I'm so telling funny. you, we all know each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, small world. For sure. For sure. That's so funny. Um, I don't I mean yeah, the whole impetus with this was interracial relationships. I mean, like, I think, um, if folks are out there who are thinking like being in an interracial relationship is hard, it's because it, it, it can be, but, um, if you treat it with the care and love that you would in any other relationship and you truly care about the, the person in front of you, then it's just, it's going to work out because that's way more important than any of the stigmas or, um, stereotypes that others place on you. If you fall into those and let those like take like take you for a ride, uh, you, you you've you've lost half the game. <laughs> you got to get back on the bike. <laughs> well said. Um, are you talking about the hardships? What was, if you don't mind sharing, if it's okay to share the more challenging pieces of being in an interracial relationship for you? I love my partner's family. I think they're all excellent, wonderful human beings. Um, but you're going to get microaggressions literally anywhere. Um, and you, the more you, you put yourself in those situations, the more microaggressions you're going to get. Um, so learning how to navigate those effectively um, and making sure that I was comfortable enough in those spaces to be able to speak out. Um, if I saw something that was kind of messed up, uh, or heard something that was kind of messed up, which I, re- I haven't honestly, especially in like years. Um, but and I also feel like part of the family enough to uh, not to, to feel very like safe and um, uh, I guess loved in in in, the, in those spaces um, to a point where I, I don't feel those things anymore. But definitely at at, at the front, like after the, 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 the initial meeting of people and, and, you know, you're all, everyone's kind of on their best behavior is when you start to, to maybe see like, Oh, well, you said it's kind of racist. I, I don't know how I feel yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. And um, making the, the choices on how you're going to 
to deal with it for sure mm. you made a good point about that comfort of and in using the word family that comfort of being in your partner's family and them accepting you as one of them and you accepting them as a part of your family as well and not feeling so much as an outsider at what point did you feel or do you feel as not an outsider oh that's a good question honestly it i think it's all tied back up to to a, an unfortunate event honestly my my um partner lost uh their uncle slash godfather um a couple of years ago and um through that like the whole grieving process of the funeral and um everyone like trying to be tight-knit um post um losing who is basically like the patriarch um that was when like the switch happened because i was around like i they invited me to um play um some music at at, at the ceremony for for the funeral um which was uh like i felt really like um blessed that i could give that as a gift um but also like the fact that they even asked was very um touching for sure and then um they do they do this family reunion um that they call like cousin palooza <laughs> um that they, they were doing like every other year or so but the, I, I think after that event happened um or when that loss happened they were like we need to make sure that we do that this year um and it was the first time that i i went um uh, and it was the first time that my, my my partner brought um like brought somebody uh so spending like four or five days like living in a place and like going on a vacation with them um was definitely like a oh like you're a person and you're cool and you're you're like um one of us basically um and we're all from the same area of massachusetts and we all have a lot of the same issues some more than others you know people person of color but <laughs> um i think that process like there was a traumatic event and i was like a part of the family for that event um so i i, I that would probably be it i'd say great well i'm sorry to hear about the loss but it's i don't want to say this in the wrong way it's special that you guys became closer for sure the family following that unfortunate loss yeah no for sure it was obviously very unfortunate um and uh i feel like definitely i i saw the their family come together in a way i hadn't before mm -hmm. um post that uh unfortunate loss that's really beautiful with that what is the best part for you um experiencing this relationship that you're in um i mean i love the little family unit we've kind of figured out here we're non-traditional all the way so we live with it's me and my partner but we also live with uh, my partner's like best friend like platonic life partner type friend you know mm -hmm. um who's also now i've gotten very close with and we're friends um and uh we live with a with a, a mutual friend of all all of us as well um it's boston you gotta pile up people to be able to afford uh, any actual space <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so 
it's the four of us living in this place with a, a, a dog. His name's Scooter. He's adorable. Um, and yeah, we have this little unconventional but very strong family unit um, that has grown out of it. That I, um, I, I've always felt like I have an excellent support system, which I I know is not what um, many uh, people of our backgrounds always feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel feel very lucky and fortunate for that. Um, and the fact that we've me and my partner have been able to make that uh happen and grow that together um with our two like factions of friends and friends and the dog and how we go about trying to live life has been very special and something that um I, i'm very thankful for yeah that sounds really lovely and like you said special and i love that that you're experiencing that and just living that out with your partner and friends and in your own way i won't even say non-traditional or unique it just it's your own way of living and you're doing life. Yeah. <laughs> we're just yeah. <laughs> we're just doing the millennial shuffle, just trying to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. <Yep. laughs> I just want to ask you if there is one thing you could say to all the listeners. What is your message? Um, everything seems really messed up right now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if you focus in on the people you care about and love and the things that you care about and love, uh, we're going to make it through it. We're going to try to figure it all out. <laughs> um, that's what I try to do with my art and um, the, the the stuff I put out. Um, and if more people are trying to do that, not even just doing it, but just trying to do it, I think we'll end up uh, in a better situation overall. For sure. Absolutely. That's really beautiful. And this is a good opportunity to plug in your art. Like if anyone wants to listen to your stuff or find you where can they do that sure uh you can go to uh, my website um it's my name miguel landestoy l-a-n-t-e-s-t-o-y um dot com and um there are links to the podcast there um both play black and the limited series the black black artist hour which is just premiering this last week uh which is really exciting um i, I just did an interview with a local Boston rapper named Cliff Notes. If y'all know, you know. Um, so check out that inter- that interview, and you can also see some of my uh, recordings of my music, both like on Spotify and on um, Bandcamp and YouTube uh, on the website as well. So just miguelanisford.com. You can get it all from there. Follow us on Instagram at uh, Playback Podcast. Follow us on TikTok, uh, and uh, yeah, check it out because we got we got a lot of cool stuff going on. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for reaching out, having the time today to chat about your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, it's nice for, meeting you virtually. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. And uh, maybe uh, we can have you on for a little uh, a podcast swap over at Play Black. I think that'd be a, a, a cool thing. I, I, I we, we talk a lot about the media we take in and the things that kind of bring us joy. And I, I'd love to hear what you and your partner share in that regard. That'd be awesome. Thank you. Keep in touch and maybe I'll see you around in the city. Maybe. For sure. Uh, drop me a message on Instagram and, and maybe we can uh, go on like a double date or something. Oh gosh. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> I'm down for that. Nice. Definitely. Nice to meet you, Rosie. You too. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you so much for listening and please stay tuned for next week's episode featuring Mandy. 
She lives in Texas and she has quite the story to share of her experiences in her mixed relationship. You do not want to miss it.